And I want to come at this from a little bit different angle today. But have you ever gotten into a place where you feel like you're in over your head? Like any situation where you said yes, and then all of a sudden it came to following through with what you said yes to, and then you're like, oh crap, what did I get myself into? I, don't, I can't do this. I'm not qualified for this. I don't have the answers. Maybe you said yes, and now you're like, I don't have the time for this. And you're like, I I'm in over my head. I started thinking about that, and I started thinking about this here ladder. Now, we've been in this building for about 12 years. And this ladder, blessed heart, I know it's a ladder, it doesn't have a heart. It's been with us for all of that time. Now, early on when we were in the building, we would rent lifts and stuff because we didn't have carpet for the first year or more or whatever it was. And so we'd rent a lift and we'd get, we'd, like, we'd rent a lift like this or one of those really cool lifts that, like, they snorkel out and they, like, go up and down. You can move them anywhere you want and get in that perfect spot. But we didn't always have lifts, and so we had this ladder, this beautiful, sturdy there was a lot of people first service questioning how sturdy this is. And so we had a 19-foot ladder that when you needed to get up into the ceiling, you were going to do it on this ladder. And I happened back in the day to be the tallest guy on the staff. Coincidentally, I think I still am. So whenever anybody needed to get into the ceiling, up the ladder Mark would go. Kind of high, huh? I said this first service, but I don't see as many people that are scared of heights. First service, I had a lot of gasping <gasps> and like people going like this, covering their eyes. But there was times, so like out here, like I could work on this projector here. You know, I could, I could take care of this, but I can't reach those. We get a lift for that. But if you see those lights up on the bar up there, if you position this ladder just in the right place, you can get up to the top of the ladder, and when I'm on this step, I can't reach it. When I'm on this step, I might be able to reach the bottom of the light, but that's never what's needed when they ask me to get up. They always need something on the top, like something needs unplugged, screwed in, moved around, and so there were many times back in the day when I would have to keep going up. And there were times when I got on this second step, I'm not doing it now because I don't do that anymore. <laughs> there were times when, I kid you not, I stood on the top platform of this ladder, which by the way, the sticker right here says, do not sit or stand here. <laughs> now I don't know if it's age or wisdom or my knees are a little bit shakier than they were 10 years ago, but Pastor Mark does not go on the top rung anymore. He does not go on the second step. Like that, that third step, my knees start, you can, probably can't see from there, they start to shake just a little bit. And I want to ask you a question. You know, many times when I was on top of that ladder, I would be like, what the heck did I get myself into? Like apparently I just kind of, I felt alone up there because I was like, okay, nobody cares about me. They don't care if I die. Um, and the other reason I don't climb up that high anymore is because if my wife walks in, I'm in big trouble. Or if Pastor Stephanie walks in, she might fire me because she's like, our insurance doesn't cover that. It, but it's, 
it's a little risky. You, you feel like, hey, there's no net down there. I mean, thank you, Chris, for holding the ladder. But if I fall, I don't think Miss Essie and Miss Gwen are going to catch me. Have you ever been in this position where you feel 19 foot up with no net, no one to catch you? Like just in your life, like maybe a physical circumstance, you put yourself like anybody hanging Christmas lights and you're on top of the roof and you do something, you're like, what am I thinking? Or, you know, whatever it might be, you get it, you're in danger and you think, oh no. Or maybe, uh, maybe you said yes to something like speaking in front of a crowd or having a, a difficult conversation with someone and you said, yes, I'll, I'll totally do that. And then you get to the moment where you got to do that and you're like, what did I get myself into? Why did I say yes to that? Maybe you've had a relationship in your life, and uh, it looked good in the beginning and looked like a good idea, but you got yourself in that relationship, and you've had moments where you're like, oh, no, what did I get myself into? And now I'm stuck. So I bring all this up because here's the question I want us to wrestle with today. When was the last time you got in this position, in over your head, because you said yes to Jesus? When was the last time saying yes to Jesus got you in a position where you thought, oh no, I am not qualified for this. I do not have all the answers for this. This is not safe. Or maybe I said yes, and oh no, I don't have time for this. I don't, I don't have all the answers. I'll tell you my conviction as I've been preparing this message. There have not been enough of those moments in my life. And I'm not talking about recently there haven't been enough. I'm talking about there have not been enough of those moments in my life, period where I said yes to Jesus, and all of a sudden I was like, oh no, my knees are shaking, I'm nervous. And I wonder if we're really good at saying, oh yeah, we live by faith, not by sight. Well, that's what the Bible says, right? The just shall live by faith. I wonder if we're really good about saying that, but our life doesn't require it. Are you living saved and safe? Or are you living boldly, courageously into the calling that God has for your life? When you get up here, all of a sudden it's not about you anymore. It's about, okay God, you put me in this situation, you better keep me. You called me up here. All right, God, you better keep me safe. You called me up here, God. You better tell me how to do what I need to do because I cannot do it on my own. So I want us to wrestle with that a little bit. Are you living saved and safe? Or are you living boldly and courageously into your calling? I had a friend I sat down and had a conversation with recently and he had been through 
some pretty painful, uh, difficult circumstances over the last two years. Dealt with a lot of loss, like death, loss, like big deal, loss. And somehow he, hang on, he hung on to Jesus all the way through that. And he trusted in Jesus. And, and Jesus did. He sustained him in the midst of it. And on the other side of it, he's in a place where he's trusting God more than he ever has. And circumstantially in his life, the pain is gone. The difficulty is gone. The lack of resources is gone. And from the outside, you could look in on his circumstances and say, man, he's got it made now. He can just enjoy life. And daggone it, he deserves it. He should just be able to coast and enjoy it. And yet, he's getting ready to make a decision that a lot of people on the outside are not going to understand because he feels like God is calling him to take a step of faith that's towards his purpose, towards his calling. And even though everybody else would say, coast, enjoy it, you deserve it, he knows in his heart that he's got to go. That he's got a step. Are you coasting? Or are you living into your calling? And let's be clear about this because you could be brand new saved and maybe you're growing in this thing. I'm cool with that. But you're called today. Like you didn't get saved and then there's like a, a date, like a time stamp, six months down the road, then you're called. No, 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 no. That's a one-sentence statement. You are saved and called. Look at somebody say, you're called. Now, if you know them enough, just look at them with a little attitude and say, it's time to start acting like it. And so there's this story in Matthew chapter 12 that we're going to look at with Peter and Jesus again. We've been with Peter and Jesus for the last couple of weeks. Uh, we saw Peter being called by Jesus when Jesus said, hey, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He was talking to several of the disciples. And then we looked at the end of Peter's journey where Peter was out fishing after Jesus died and Peter felt betrayed and abandoned and Peter said, I'm going fishing. And then they're out fishing, they're not catching anything. Jesus walks up on the shore and says, hey, you catching anything? As if to say, hey, how's that working for you? Doing what you know. Doing what you've always done. Going back to what you thought was the thing that could provide for you. How's that working for you? And then you go through that story and Peter comes back to his calling. And he never looks back again. But this story we're going to look at, Matthew chapter 12, it's right in the middle of Peter's journey. And I'm just going to read it. We're going to start in verse 22. And it says this, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake, and when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. 
It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. So Jesus gives an invitation, and it's the same invitation that all of us have here today. The invitation is simple. Will you come? Will you come? Will you respond to that invitation that Jesus is giving you today? Every day of your life, will you come? Now as we get into this story, we learn a lot about how to respond to that invitation. And from the outset in this story, you you see a reality that, guess what? Jesus knew that the wind was going to be against them. And he still sent them out in that boat. Jesus knows everything, right? So he knew the wind was coming, and he still sent them out. Does anybody feel like the wind is against you in your life right now? Like there's circumstances and obstacles and trials that you are working through, and you're like, why is it all against me? Why am, I, why am I getting beat up and tossed about in the boat? God, don't you love me? God, I thought you were good. And so we, we get this mentality that if there's wind, there's no Jesus. If we're getting buffeted and tossed about a little bit, Jesus must have forgotten us. He must have abandoned us. Can I tell you something? He hasn't forgotten you. He has not abandoned you. You do matter. He knows every detail of every circumstance right now in your life. You are not forgotten. There's a a verse in Deuteronomy where Jesus says, Hey, do not be afraid because I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So regardless of what your circumstances are like, The good news in this story is the wind does not make Jesus nervous. Now, it may make you nervous. may make me a little nervous. Knees shaking on top of a ladder kind of nervous. But it doesn't make Jesus nervous. In fact, he does some of his best work right in the middle of the wind and the waves. He's able to take you from a place of fear being paralyzed by fear to a place of stepping out in faith right in the midst of the storm. And you see that all through this story. I mean, they get into this story and they feel like there's no way that Jesus is going to be able to respond. And rightly so, because, I mean, they're on top of the ladder. I mean, in the middle of the ocean, the sea. 
Jesus is way back there, right? He went up to go pray. And they're like, well, Jesus can't come to me right now because he's over there and I'm here. So if he can't, then he, he sent us out here and he knew this was going to happen. Why would he do that? And yet, even though Jesus didn't come in the way they wanted him to, or in the timing they wanted him to, Jesus still came. And see, we need, to, we need to hear this. Some of you need to hear this. You are never beyond the reach of Jesus. There are no circumstances where he can't come to you. There are no circumstances where he would not come to you. It said immediately he came. So if you feel alone, and you feel isolated, and you feel forgotten, be of good courage, you're not. It's an impossibility. The character of God says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Now, the context of this passage is actually kind of important, because right before we read this verse, that where I started with, Jesus fed the 5,000. You familiar with the story? He had a little... Long John Silver's happy meal. Little boy came up. Here's my happy meal. And Jesus took it. He blessed it. And he broke it. And the Bible says, and then he gave it to his disciples. And his disciples gave it to the crowd. So the disciples in their hands have cut up happy meal that has been blessed and broken by Jesus, and as they give it out, the miracle, the multiplication happens in the hands of the disciples. It didn't happen in Jesus' hands. It happened in the hands. They gave the food. They, whoa, how that happened? Peter, did you see that? There's more. And they gave it out, and then the miracle happened in their hands. And then right after that, it's the, very, the verse we read there, and it says, after this miracle took place, immediately Jesus told him to get in the boat and go out on the sea, and Jesus himself dismissed the crowd. Now, I don't know about you, but Jesus just spent hours ministering to 5,000 people plus women and children. If I were him, I'd be like, hey, boys, I'm going to go take a nap. Y'all dismiss that crowd. So what was Jesus' rush to get them in the boat and get them out to sea? Is it possible, I'm just using my imagination a little bit here, is it possible that Jesus wanted to get them in the boat full of faith, full of miracle-in-my-hands kind of faith, maybe to see how they'd respond to the wind because he knew it was coming? Maybe he thought, gosh, I've been with these guys a little bit. They've seen these miracles, like literally in, in the Weeks and months prior to this, if you read through the book of Matthew, they saw a lame man get up and walk. They saw Jesus speak a word and a centurion's son get healed. They saw Jesus on the, ocean, or on the sea calm the storm on the sea. They saw a dead woman, brought, a dead girl brought back to life. They've seen all these things. And then they go out on the sea, and Jesus is like, I wonder if they'll have enough faith. To respond, not a storm, mind you, just a little wind that tossed them about in the boat a little bit. And we know how they responded to the test, if it was in fact a test. 
How did they respond? One word, fear. The wind and the waves come up. Jesus comes out on the water. They were terrified and cried out in fear. So be of good cheer. If you're freaking out in your life, and you're like, oh my gosh, what's happening? So did the disciples. Stop beating yourself up. Stop acting like you have to be perfect and courageous and bold and awesome all the time, because you don't. Nobody's going to be that all the time. But they cried out in fear, and see, fear, you have to be careful because fear will paralyze you. Fear, fear will stop you from stepping into your calling. And you know, I read a story like this, and I'm like, why, why do we do that to ourselves? I mean, they've been walking and talking, doing ministry with Jesus. They see somebody come out on the ocean, and Jesus says, it is I, don't be afraid. And all of them are still freaking out because Peter says, in doubt, not in faith, in doubt, he says, well, if it's you, Jesus, tell me to come. All the other disciples in the back of the boat back here, like, they still think it's a ghost. Why do we expect a ghost instead of a Savior to come to us on the water? Like right now, your circumstances, you're in it right now. Why are you expecting a ghost? Why are you expecting bad things to happen? Why are you quoting Murphy's Law and saying, if it's bad, it's going to happen? Stop it! What if? What if instead you shifted your expectation to expect the goodness of God, to expect the grace of God, to expect the blessing of God to come into your life, to expect if you feel alone and isolated and forgotten, to expect that Jesus is going to show up any second, that he hasn't forgotten you, that he loves you, that he's got a purpose, a plan, and a calling for your life. What if that was your focus? What if that's where your head was at in the midst of your storm? You know, I think in this room, most of us, we have enough evidence from the life that we have lived of God's trustworthiness that we should never doubt him again. Terry, you've got enough evidence in your life, brother, of the trustworthiness of God that you should never doubt him again. Steve, you've got enough evidence of the trustworthiness of God in your life that you should never doubt him again. And if he says, come, you come. Unfortunately, we, I'm definitely including myself in this, we're better at focusing on what God has not done or hasn't done when we wanted him to do it or hasn't done the way we wanted him to do it. We're better at focusing on that than on the, all the miracles that God has already done because our mind is wrong, our thinking is wrong, our focus is wrong. And that's why because we're so good at forgetting those things, that's why it is so important. You want to know how to get over that. Anybody want to know how to get past that? Forgetting and acting like God's not good when he is good? If, if you're really bad about forgetting like I am, do you know how you get past that? You surround yourself with the right people and you consistently put yourself in the right environment. Like you are today. You're surrounded by people of faith. You're surrounded, you got an altar full of people up here worshiping God, inviting the presence of Jesus in. You surround yourself with the right people. You surround yourself, put yourself in the right environment. 
You know all those tables out there? That's what those are. That's what they represent. Every single one of those opportunities out there are an opportunity to put yourself around the right people and in the right environment. To get your eyes off of yourself. Get your eyes on the goodness of God. But I can't force you to go out there and sign up for something. Listen, if, somebody, if the disciples in the back of the boat, like if Peter started hesitating, Jesus says, come, and Peter's like, guys, I ain't going out there. I don't know what, like if the disciples would have just been like, go, Peter, and pushed him out. I'm pretty sure he would have sunk straight to the bottom, right? But because Peter made a decision, he just made a choice to say, you know what? Jesus said, come. That's water. Those are wind and waves. This does not make sense. That's a little bit risky. But because my Savior said, come, I'm not going to hesitate. I'm going to come. Listen, hesitation can be the graveyard of your calling. Don't hesitate. Some of you today, in a few moments, I'm going to ask you to make a decision. Don't hesitate. Just respond to Jesus. Because again, you don't have to make yourself into anything. What we've talked about the last couple of weeks. You don't, when Jesus said, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, the only obligation for the disciples was to come, to follow. And then Jesus, in our pursuit of him, in our obedience to follow him, then he does all the work of making us into fishers of men. But too often times we stay in the boat. We stay on the sideline and we refuse to move. Some of you haven't moved in a while. It's time to move. Some of you moved in some directions. God didn't tell you to move. It's time to come back to where you were, where you know it, and then move forward. Some of you feel completely unqualified. It's not about you being qualified. It's, it's kind of like this. So when I climb that ladder, it's my power, it's my strength, it's my ability moving me up that ladder. But when I respond to Jesus, it's kind of like shifting from a ladder to a lift. When I, when I choose to do something, it's me, my strength, my power, my ability, my qualification, my know-how, my great thinking, my connections, my, how much I've prepared myself. But when Jesus says, come, when Jesus says, follow me, and I respond to him, all of a sudden, it's not me. All of a sudden, there's power that's not coming from me that is moving me forward and upward into the calling of God. Some of you have been trying to make some stuff happen. That was close. Almost got my head. Some of you have been trying to make some stuff happen on your own, and it's not happening. You're like Peter and those guys when they were out fishing, and Jesus was like, hey, how's that working for you? I ain't catching nothing. And Jesus is saying, hey, just put the net on the other side. Respond to me. Be obedient to me. Do what I ask you to do, and there will be a power working inside of you able to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. This is not about you. Look at somebody say, it's not about you. Just tell them. If you know them well enough, just push them a little bit and say, it's not about you. 
This is about what God can do in you and through you when you respond. And all of a sudden, it's not your power. It's not your strength. And notice I went higher. Notice I went there quicker. Now, is calling easy? No, 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 no. By the way, this thing is pretty wobbly when you get up top. So is it safe? It's safer than that. Yeah, but there's still some risk. There's still some, there's leg supports down here I'm supposed to put out when I go up that high. I didn't do, you know, there, you still got to follow. But you have to make a choice. So Peter, when he was in the boat, he could protect himself. But when he responded to Jesus to come, once he got out of the boat, his only hope was a Savior who could do the impossible. Isn't that beautiful? That if, if right now you feel like you got it under control, you got it sorted out, you got it figured out, you, you managing it real well, um, you might not be living into your calling. But if you feel a little knees shaking a little bit, maybe a little nauseous at moments because you're like, what did I get myself into? Then yeah, you might be living into your calling. God has a habit of inviting us into the impossible. Of saying, don't be paralyzed by fear. It's time to get moving through faith.